Friday on the Fan Morning Show at 7 a.m. So you know what that means. It's Charles Davis joining us ahead of a big weekend in the NFL and a big night last night. Football analyst for NFL on CBS, of course, and our weekly chat with Charles Davis. How's it going? Going great. How are you guys? We are swell. Uh, you're chatting with Jesse, not Justin this week. Justin's in Portugal. Um, Must be nice. Living the dream, Charles. <laughs> and here we are grinding uh, well, it out. <laughs> well, hello, Jesse. It's nice to talk with you. Hi, and, Charles. Uh, likewise. Tell me, uh, I'm, I'm not even going to ask why Portugal. You know, is it a family thing? Is it just it's a little trip? Circle a little, it on the calendar. Yeah, a little family just trip. Get away with yeah. the deal. You know, and nice. NHL's about to start, and, and NBA's about to start. So you get your one last trip in before everything really kicks off. My brother-in-law's off. there too. Is well, why? What's, what's going on with Portugal? That's right? a nice spot. Yeah, I might have to go there. Anyway, um, Charles. Oh, what nice, very nice. How about those Lions? Eh, are they for real? We thought that they had a good chance to be for real coming into the season, but past history has kept all of us from <laughs> diving all the way in. And look, the momentum started the day Dan Campbell was hired. And when we saw the press conference, and I say we, I'm being a collective, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the world, not just the media, right? Everyone. People came away from that press conference fired up. People came away from that press conference saying, oh, well, he won't be there long. Well, that was, that was boy, that was Joe High School, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That was terrible. You know, so, so you weren't really sure what you were getting. He wasn't the sexy name. He wasn't the, the hot, you know, offensive or defensive guru. He was just a dude. And, you know, and all of a sudden the big Lebowski joke started everything else. And then they, you know, of course they have their struggles because they're the Lions. Then hard knocks came. And people fell in love with the Lions. I mean, that, that was a fun hard knocks. It was a great group. And they started one and six that year. <laughs> so once again, you're right back to where you were before. But as time went on, we saw how they recovered. They almost got to the playoffs. They played the Packers in the last Sunday night game of the year. The Packers had a chance to get to the playoffs. The Lions knew they weren't going when the game kicked off. They had lost their opportunity. Yet they went up there and beat mm-hmm. them. So expectations coming into this year, yes. They were high. Yes, people thought they could be that team. But because of what I said before, and I don't think I'm wrong, people didn't go all in. It mm-hmm. was like, yes, the Lions should be. Yes, the Lions can be. Yes, we think they will be. But, and then, of course, opening the Kansas City and all that, you put it all together. Should it be a major surprise? The answer is no. But is it a surprise? I'd say, yeah. I mean, they went to Kansas City and beat the defending Super Bowl champions. And, and look, I know Kelsey wasn't there. I know Chris Jones wasn't there. But they still had to go up there and get that done, and they did. If you're uh, Travis Kelsey, are you asking to restructure your contract, walking into the front office and saying, <laughs> give me uh, $5 billion because you're nothing without me? The Patrick Mahomes, it felt like Charles was searching for someone to step up among his re- receiving core yesterday. 11 different receivers. Yep. Kadarius Tony obviously had a really difficult night. I think the same could be said uh, for Sky Moore. Was that just uh, is what it is without Kelsey, or were you surprised at uh, – Mahomes' inability to connect with any of his receivers properly? It's a great question. I, uh, look, of course you're going to sort of wish Kelsey was out there and search for him. But as soon as I heard that he was out, I actually said to someone, I said, this is a perfect setup night for Mahomes. Would he want to do this 17 weeks without Kelsey? No. He wants to have his number one guy out there. But he's also the type of player and the type of person that like, okay, in a short little thing, let's, let's go show him we've got some others. 
and develop some other guys and make plays and all that. And truthfully, he did for the most part. You mentioned Sky Moore not having a big night. Kadarius Toney, he's been an issue since the day he was drafted by the Giants. The Giants made the right move by letting him go. In the environment that, that is New York, in the environment of the Giants building to who they are, he was never going to be a guy that's going to work for them. Kansas City took him because they have, you know, we have the locker room, the structure, the quarterback. He landed in Utopia. And if he can't get it figured out very soon, he's blowing a great chance for a career. You remember when he left the Giants? He left and, you know, there was all those talk about hamstring issues and was he going to get healthy? You remember that? Mm -hmm. You remember his first game with Kansas City and he scored a touchdown and he limped into the end zone on one leg, almost (laughs) left a shot back at the Giants? Mm Mm-hmm. I remember saying to myself right then and there, I said, hey, I don't, that's not a, I don't like that at all because now you're almost telling the world you weren't getting healthy for them. You weren't trying to make it work for them. Because remember, he got healthy for Kansas City pretty quickly <laughs> and played. My point being, I'm not here to trash Kadarius Tony, but I had questions about him coming out. I had questions about him with the Giants, and my questions continued to linger. Last night, Write it down, mark it down, put it in your computer, do what you want to do. To me, last night, Marks, this is where this is the fork in the road in, my, in Kadarius Tony's career. Hmm. And I'm not calling this hyperbole. This is real for me. Which way is he going to go now? Is he going to be the Kadarius Tony who's uber talented and can be a heck of a receiver? Or is he going to continue to be the guy that drops balls that are perfectly in his hands, hurt every other week, not prepared to play, all those things? Last night was the spot because tell me if I'm wrong. Does it get any better to be a receiver than to be in Kansas City playing with Mahomes? No. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) And last night was his chance to really seize it by the neck because he wasn't going to be looking for Kelsey in those situations. Finishes with one receiving yard. (laughs) One receiving yard. He he had to find other people, and it was there. It was available. You pointed out um, 11 different receivers Mm -hmm. that, that he was able to go to. It was a struggle last night, but they were very close to that struggle being realized because of Mahomes, because of his movement and and, and trust in here's your opportunity. I'll leave it with this. Near the end of the first half, remember that big, big play downfield to Marquez Valdez-Scantling where he made the catch across the middle? Mm -hmm. He had dropped all those balls consistently during his career. Last year, near the end of the year, it started to come together, and he made the difficult catch. Kadarius Tony made the easy catch a pick six. It's time for him to start moving into Marcus Valdez Scantling territory, who came along and has become one of the more dependable receivers yep. in Mahomes. He will let you be that if, if you give him the chance, but it's up to Tony to do that. And what, what I saw last night, it just took me all the way back to my notes of him coming out of college, it took me to my notes of him with the Giants, it took me to my notes on the trade. He's in Utopia. He needs to take advantage of it. So no Travis Kelsey. We clearly just went through the impacts of that. Uh, but Chris Jones is there in the stands and not on the yeah. field. Uh, where did you see his impact, uh, his lack of impact, uh, exposed most for the, the Chiefs last night? Uh, two places. One, late in the ball game when you absolutely have to have stops and you have to have big plays. Because I thought Kansas City's defense played well overall last night. Probably better than what... It, I expected in a lot of ways because 
that defense is built to play with a lead, and they didn't have a big lead for most of the game, yet they were right there. They made plays. They gave themselves opportunities. Um, a bunch of guys that people don't know made them. So the first one was late in the ball game when they had to have it, they didn't have Chris Jones who could close for them. The second thing was run game. Because as time went on with that big offensive line, which was one of the big factors going into the game, if Detroit was able to play to their strength, which is big offensive line and some thumpers at running back, that could be an issue because Kansas City's big, Kansas City's defensive front didn't have Chris Jones, didn't have all their people. And I think it showed up late when it was 20-14 to 14 Kansas City and Detroit went on that drive and David Montgomery stuck it into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Offensive line took full charge of the line of scrimmage at that point for Detroit. I want to talk, Charles, about uh, Jared Goff, who's now two and zero against Patrick Mahomes in his career, and he's got I, his number. Yeah, he has, he's got currently the third <laughs> longest streak of consecutive passing attempts without an interception in the National Football yeah. League. I mean, obviously, he was the first overall pick coming out of college and into the draft. But do you think that? Now he's really starting to find his stride in his career, becoming a, a super dependable quarterback that can actually lead a team to potentially the promised land, which is obviously where Lions fans want to go. Yeah, and, and he was there with the Rams. I mean, they got to the Super Bowl. I mean, he was the guy. And if Brandon Cooks makes a catch in the end zone in the Super Bowl, we might be having a different conversation. Crazy, yep. So, so yes. But I thought he started to find his way really the second half of last year. The Lions told him he was their guy by a number of moves they didn't make, right? How many times did we talk about the Lions potentially taking a quarterback in the draft, the last Mm -hmm. two drafts? They didn't take one. Did they bring in anyone who was a veteran guy or someone who was potential that they thought could challenge him or whatever? No. All right, Hendon Hooker was drafted this year, but he's coming off of ACL surgery and was going to start the season on the physical unable to perform list. So they knew he wasn't coming in to challenge Jared Goff. They just had the philosophy like a number of places, always draft a quarterback. You know, the Green Bay way from way back when, when you looked at that list of quarterbacks that were there behind Favre and went out and found their way in other places. You just always have to have it in case something goes haywire. Look at San Francisco. They go through them like, you know, I go through socks. So that is something that the Lions told him and told us, hey, he's our guy. We believe in him. Let's build around him. And you see what they've started to do. Big offensive line. The addition of the running backs this year. Amon Ross St. Brown is his dependable receiver. Going right on down the line, you know, Jamison Williams when he comes back from suspension. He is good, more than good enough to do it. And he's not just throwing check down. Jesse, you made that point about the, you know, the number of times he's thrown the ball now without an interception. I think he went into the game at 274. So whatever the number is now, after how many throws he made last night. But he's not just throwing check downs to keep the streak alive. How many big throws did he make last night? How many throws across the middle with timing, anticipation, yeah. you know, beating coverage? He is a good quarterback who's playing the most confident he's played, I believe, in his career even back to those early days with the Rams and he and McVay looked like they were joined at the hip. I think if you ask Sean McVay right now, and he's actually said it publicly, they just didn't handle it the right way with Jared Goff. They were impatient. They wanted yeah. their guy right now. And you can't say that it turned out wrong because they won a Super Bowl with Stafford. But you look at where Goff is, that could have broken him. And in fact, it's gone the opposite way for him. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the better quarterbacks out there right now. And Detroit does believe in him.
Yeah, no, and it's it's a good point that you make. You know, obviously he did go to the Super Bowl, and I mentioned how he's two and zero against uh, Mahomes, and the Rams made the move yeah. for Stafford because they they wanted to win. Now they wanted what they thought was more offense from him, or whatever leadership, whatever it was. But the other game against Mahomes that Goff won was one of the greatest games I think I've ever watched. Oh. It was the 54 51 Monday night football game, yeah. the third highest scoring NFL game in history. So despite, yeah, maybe, you know, some may have called Jared Goff a, a game manager earlier in his career. Like it certainly doesn't seem like that's who he is. Now he is a guy who can sling it and he can be very responsible with the ball too. So I just wanted to throw out that, uh, that yeah. game, that other game with Mahomes Cause great, that was, that was crazy. Great point. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Let me let me just put a cap on that one. At that time, he wasn't a game manager. He was a slinger. You remember the offense the Rams had. Remember Todd Gurley was in his prime at yeah. that point, running it, catching it. They had the receivers. They had they had you know they had it all together. That team member was supposed to be bad when McVay took it over and they won the division the first year. Okay, they were high powered. They were rolling, and he was the orchestrator of all of that. And one last postscript on that game. That was supposed to be in Mexico City, remember? Yeah. And everything went haywire there with the field and what have you, and they had to move the game back to Los Angeles on short notice. And they did it. Everyone adjusted, and we had one of the great games that we've seen. So right now, Jared Goff takes place of Joe Burrow as the Patrick Mahomes slayer <laughs> because <laughs> Mahomes beat Burrow the last time now. But Burrow, I think, is 3-1 against him. Goff is 2-0 and against him, and if Patrick Mahomes were listening to us right now, he'd be trashing his kitchen because he hates the fact <laughs> that someone would have an, oper- have an advantage against him, and he will want another shot at him down the road. I mean, perfect opportunity to ask you about Joe Burrow uh, agreeing to five-year, $275 million contract extension, uh, yeah. becoming the highest-paid player in the NFL. Oh. Uh, kind of came out of the blue. I didn't expect this one to drop uh, before the Thursday night football game. Kind of take, take a little off, bit yeah. of uh, uh, shine off of that. But, I mean, he, he was the comeback player of the year at one point. Um, he's certainly become uh, someone that people love and respect, and he's cool guy Joe. Uh, now he's rich guy Joe. Um, you think that this was the stepping stone for the next biggest, highest played player when it's a quarterback that looks to to cash in on his biggest deal? Yeah, Alicia, hey, you've laid that out perfectly. Justin Herbert had set the table at what, 252? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we knew Burrow was next in line and he was waiting for it. He Remember, this could have been done a while ago, I think, but he was waiting for Herbert's numbers to come through. He also, as crazy as it sounds, like because you remember when Mahomes signed his way back when, which seems like you know an eon ago, and you're like, oh, was that it? Well, guess what? What Mahomes did remember was he left money so the team could get players, and it seemed weird to say that he left money because the numbers are so staggering when you hear them. I think Herbert did some of that to give his team flexibility, and I know that Burrow did it. Because he wants to have T. Higgins re-signed as receiver. He wants Tyler Boyd to have the opportunity to come back. He wants room for when Jamar Chase has to get paid. He needs that offensive line, which they finally increased and got what they believe is better. We'll find out, because last year it was supposed to be better, and he still got beat up. If it's better, he wants room for that. And it's weird to say it, right, when you say $275 million. Well, he's leaving room for what? <laughs> you know, 219 million guaranteed. But the way these contracts are written and done, there's flexibility. Because remember, Mahomes signed for a staggering amount of money, 
And then every time you turned around, there's another move made by Kansas City. And you're like, how are they doing that? Didn't they just pay Mahomes? So there was flexibility within those contracts. And Mahomes has been able to cash that into two Super Bowl wins, three Super Bowl appearances. Burrow wants the same thing. I know Herbert wants the same thing. So do they want to get paid? Yes. But they're also leaving money. And and a quick add-on to that, we were left by Travis Kelsey backing up the Brinks truck right now, right, after what happened last night. Oh, yeah. Night. He said about two weeks ago, he's not worried. Look, where I'm getting paid isn't the issue. The issue is the big prize at the end. And Travis Kelsey has been able to self-soothe because he has endorsements coming out, you know, the you-know-what mm-hmm. right now. So he's not worried about it. And if you have those types of attitudes and you're able to do it other ways, Kansas City's attitude is the Lombardi Trophy is the payment. Yes, I want to get paid a fair sum, but do I have to be number one? Nah, I'm not that worried about it. That's what Burrow has told the world with his contract. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're seeing Joe Burrow this weekend, Bengals and Browns. Oh, yes, your first one of of the season. Um, A big one. I think there's a lot of excitement around this Browns team. I know we don't say that much, but obviously the Bengals with expectations as well. Uh, What's your biggest storyline going into uh, Sunday's game, 1 p.m.? Burrow's contract got taken care of, as you said, surprise on Thursday night, because typically the the NFL and its machine of how it releases information, they make sure it stands on its own. So I would have thought that would have been Saturday morning, Mm, (laughs) you know, would have dropped it in there. But, but, uh, but all that being said, that that's taken care of now. So Bengals fans can breathe a sigh of relief. Joe Burrow doesn't have to be asked about it anymore. It's done. He can go play. The Browns equate the lions in many ways to me. Because the Browns right now are where the Lions were probably a season ago. Good roster. Like where the coaching staff is. Administration with the GM. Ownership's doing a nice job because the Lions really jumped up when Sheila Hamp Ford took over the team. Sheila Ford Hamp. When she took over and ran it, things got a lot better. Check out a great article in The Athletic. It's really good about her ownership and what she's done to help that team get to where they are now. The Browns, and the other head, they made the big move for Deshaun Watson. Controversial move. We know that. We don't need to rehash it. 236 men guaranteed. Every other owner in the league wanted to kill yep. <laughs> Jim Haslam <laughs> and D. Haslam for that contract. All that being said, this is a good roster. Now Deshaun Watson has to justify and pay off that $236 million. Last year, it's a mulligan. He was suspended. He played the last six games. Yeah. All right. But now he's had the entire offseason, the entire preseason. The season is here now. It's his team. They need to see Deshaun Watson 2020-plus, and it starts on Sunday. And it's a very good Browns team. Like that AFC North, I believe you could make a case, Alish and Jesse, for all four of those teams to be yeah. playoff teams. Now, three will be the max, I'm pretty sure. I don't think we've had a division yet where all four have made it. But – Three can get there. Who's going to be the odd team out? It's not automatically Cleveland anymore. But a lot of that still hinges on Deshaun Watson. And that, to me, is the biggest uh, storyline of this game, English. Deshaun Watson, are we getting the man that they paid 236 for? Hmm. Or are we getting the guy who looked really rusty the last six games last year? I'm betting much more on the former because he's too talented Remember, he sat out the year before with Houston over the contract dispute. We know about all the off-field stuff. For the most part, that is 
in the rear view, I want to see this guy play like we, we, we've seen him play before. Do you anticipate any parents being mic'd up on the broadcast? <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, I hope I not. Agree. I hope not. I hope not. Hey, you, know, you, know weird, you know what's really, yeah, you know really weird about it? I, I don't know that my network does that. Mm-hmm. And remember, we're not just a, a national game where we're the only game in town. Mm-hmm. So I don't involve myself in decisions that are over my head, right? Mm-hmm. That's administrative. That's, that's up there executive. But I've said this to a mentor of mine before when I was doing sidelines. You know, hey, we got to go talk to the parents in the stands or whatever. My argument was always the same. What do you think they're going to say? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> like, like I'm going to go up there and I'm going to say, hey, uh, parents of Ailish and Jesse, um, so are you proud of them? Are you excited? Are you this? <laughs> oh, I'm so proud. They've been wonderful kids. And blah, blah. Here's the deal. The day I go in the stands and I say, hey, Ailish and Jesse, and the parents go, you know, I got to tell you, we didn't like them much. <laughs> you know? we, we didn't think they were going to make it. Like, like, this is a stunner. If I get that, then I've got something. Otherwise, it's a waste of time. And I, and I met the Hutchinson parents this summer. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, I like these people. Mm. Mr. and Mrs. Hutchinson, gracious, fun I enjoyed my time with them, and, and, and believe me, my time was three minutes, mm-hmm. but I like them. They're invested in their son, but they are not little league parents. They've made it on their own. If you go and check their backgrounds, mm-hmm. I mean, dad's a doctor, for God's sakes, and was a, a great player. Mom has made it on her own way. The sisters are doing just fine. Everyone is okay, but they're a tight-knit family that cares about each other. I just don't think you gain much out of that because you have to scrub what you're going to put on anyway. The stuff that you may want to hear that they may actually say is never making air. No. You can't. So instead you get, ooh, yeah, nice, great. What? <laughs> okay. So <good>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need the hot mic um, off, off air where they're like, that was garbage. Yeah. And then that would go but, viral. But, but, <laughs> Absolutely, but I'm just going to tell you, if you met Mr. and Mrs. Hutchinson and sat down and had coffee with them, or, I will bet you my last dollar you would call me and go, they are wonderful people. I really liked them. I'm, I was, I was most impressed in a very short time yeah. with them, and I'm just impressed by their family dynamic mm-hmm. because I think that they really do. This, this team Hutchinson thing is not for the mm-hmm. cameras. It's not for, wow, Aiden got drafted. Look at us. It's none of that. They've been Team Hutchinson from day one, and now we're getting to watch it. But again, miking up people in the stands, I don't care who it is. I just don't get it. Well, I learned more about them um, in our quick chat than I did about them on the broadcast. So glad that we got the full <laughs> scouting report. Uh, maybe a, a nice idea, but maybe not the greatest execution. Uh, Charles, yeah. enjoy the call this weekend. Uh, happy back to work for real, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll chat with you next yeah. week. Appreciate it. I look forward to it. Uh, tell Justin hi in Portugal, and I'll talk to him when he gets back. And Jesse, anytime, man. That was Good a pleasure. That was a pleasure. Thanks for doing this, Charles. Appreciate Thanks, Charles. it. Charles. That's Charles Davis, NFL and CBS. Love yeah, him. he's the man, obviously. Welcome to our world. Yeah, he's just Friday so mornings. cool. He's so, so nice. Cool. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I, I definitely think that it could be trial and error with the miking the parents in the stands, and I think we found it could be short-lived.
I hope Charles doesn't get like a call from the executive producer being like, hey, we were planning on doing that. CBS is like, crap. (laughs) We're planning on doing that with Burroughs' parents this weekend. I mean, mean, try it again. We'll see. You got to pick, maybe get him like a little... uh juiced up first you know? yeah 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 but he's right like what is it just gonna be like rah rah like oh great play like you're not gonna you got criticize. It, sweetie yeah that's what it is so i mean i guess it resonates maybe with uh parents of athletes if you mic'd my parents up during my games i don't think they'd be that nice yeah well i guess that's what they're looking well, for not right that they're not nice but they're intense that's what they're looking for. Yeah. That's what they want. So, so they're going to keep trying. We should have Greg and Sophie up during my pro career when <laughs> the, I got one ice, one shift a period. <laughs> so they're going to keep, they're going to keep doing it until they find, they got to find that the right, set of parents. yeah, the right, the yeah. right couple in there. Um, okay. Well, I got some, some proud parents for you. It's time for something to chew on brought to you by great Canadian meats. Yum, yum, yum. If you're the parents of Jake Sanderson, you're happy this morning. Uh, Senator's Blue Liner signed to an eight-year contract extension for $64.4 million, and he's played 77 games of the Senators last year. Four goals, 32 points, second among Senator's Blue Liners. Um, he is a young stud from the University of Dakota, uh, North Dakota, um, was a Team USA captain of the World Juniors, went to Olympics. Uh, but the Senators, the chew is that they've got a lot of young talent locked up for quite a few years. Uh, they've got Jake Sanderson, Tim Sutzel, Josh Norris, Brady Kachuk, Thomas Chabot, Jonas Corposalo, Drake Batherson. Um, they've got a lot of kids under 26, including most of those names, Jacob Chikrin, Shane Pinto. Um, they are going to lock up their talent for a long time. They're betting big on Jake Sanderson, who has a short NHL career so far. And this is like the type of contract that might look like a lot to start, but might age absolutely beautifully depending on how uh, he continues his career projection. Uh, but that's a lot of money, but a lot of opportunity for him to prove them right. That is an, that's an excellent point. Like the, how many times have we seen like the, it's sort of like the William Nylander contract. If you're trying to relate it to mm-hmm. back to the Toronto yeah, $8 market, $8 million per season for him. Right. And for Jake Sanderson. So I mean, yeah, but Nylander was like 6.9 at the time and he was fighting for every single dollar that he could get. And people were like, ah, it's an overpay. No, it didn't end up being an overpay. Mm-hmm. And it's similar to the, the Pasternak deal uh, in the past. Listen, the senators are going to be pretty sneaky. I think this year, yes. like if you go through their lineup, you're locking in stud defensemen like Shabbat, Chikrin, Sanderson, and then you look at their top nine, not even top six, mm-hmm. like Stutzla, Brady Kachuk, Tarasenko now, Giroux. Oh, God, the Tarasenko went there. That one is like... Drake Batherson. Like, they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure they are they have enough in the tank to challenge for the Atlantic Division, but I think this is the year where the Ottawa Senators should be challenging for a postseason spot. I totally agree. And I think it's great for the Battle of Ontario. Oh, it's great to have that uh, inching the right direction for the Ottawa Senators. Last year, there was a lot of hype around them, a lot of hype around the Buffalo Sabres as well. Uh, I feel like this is uh, even more so. But yeah, only playing 77 NHL career games entering your second year and locking up a whopping contract. That is a must-be-nice situation and it's an also sure. must-perform situation. Yeah. Like if Jake Sanderson comes out and isn't showing the signs of progression. Like that is a hefty contract on your shoulders. I don't know if the Ottawa fan base would be as cutthroat as if that happened here. Like if they signed Matthew Nyes to a eight year, $8 million contract extension after playing X amount of NHL games, I think we'd all be eyeballs on him. Mm. And I mean, Jake 
Sanderson's got a big opportunity here and make that age really well for the Ottawa Senators. But I, they've I, locked in a lot of young talent. I think there's one other kind of important point here is that Jake Sanderson's American. Mm-hmm. And he is choosing to stay with the Ottawa Senators for the next eight seasons. And I think that there has been um, much oxygen spent talking about the Ottawa market over the years Mm -hmm. and how it might not be the most desirable place in the world to play hockey. But this is a guy who's 21 years of age. He's from Montana. No, he's from Whitefish, Montana, which is like the most beautiful. Just it's stunning there. And he's choosing that instead of going to maybe a big market, you know, eventually in the States, he's saying, I want to stay in Ottawa. I want to build with this core. And I think that is the best way for the Ottawa Senators, uh, despite what you may th- might think about the market. If you can lock in the young talent and keep them together as a core, like they're going to want to play together. They're going to want, want to be uh, a team that competes for the division eventually. And hopefully, you know, for them for a Stanley Cup mm-hmm. m- in a number of years, that's the best way to do it. Keep them together. Speaking of locking up talent. Yeah. Young talent. Yeah. In Canadian markets, how about Sarah Nurse? Yes. One of the three inaugural players on the Toronto PWHL team, still yet to be named, uh, signed officially and will be able to share some of the reasoning why she picked Toronto. Obviously, she lives in Toronto, but there was a lot of other offers on the table. We saw quite a few official signings yesterday. Montreal laid out a gauntlet of stars. And Renee Debian, so you got the best goaltender. Marie-Philippe Poulin, you got the best player, and you got Laura Stacy, the best friend of myself. So, I mean, like, it's just, a, it, you couldn't have hit a better home run there. <laughs> uh, a three-run home run to start uh, Montreal season. Boston gets Knight, oh, Frankel, and Keller. Minnesota gets Kendall Coyne, Schofield, Panic, and Steckline. And then New York City, not officially done theirs yet. Maybe we find out more um, about theirs moving forward. And, of course, Ottawa. We talked about that earlier this week. Jenner, Clark, and Mashmeyer. So a lot of trickle effect here coming out about the first three official signings for each team. And, of course, the draft is 10 days away in Toronto. So lots to come. Sarah Nurse will walk us through uh, what's been an exciting couple weeks in women's hockey. We're giving away tickets to Andrew Schultz. Uh, That's later in this block. Michael Grange will walk up from that studio which we can see and join us here to break down Canada's loss at the FIBA World Cup. Um, if you missed it, it was live on the air during the first part of our show. They fell to Serbia. Um, a lot of foul trouble, but we're outplayed. So two things can be true. Uh, he'll join us at eight. And then Ben Nicholson-Smith will wrap up our show to get us ready for a must-win series against the Kansas City Royals, to say the least. Maybe an update on Bo Bichette's health, Matt Chapman's health, mm-hmm. Brandon Belt's health. Let's hope we get three good pieces of news there um, in terms of the health. Uh, that's the rest of our Friday on the Fan Morning Show. You can send in your wake and rake picks as well. Five ninety five ninety. Sarah Nurse after the break. Covering the Blue Jays from an analytical perspective. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Jesse and Ailish, Sportsnet 590. The fan has been an exciting week for women's hockey. The last couple of weeks, a lot of information trickling out. The inaugural season of PWHL is around the corner, and we're starting to get roster formation. The Toronto team's looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. So is the Montreal team. I'm going to have to choose my fandom wisely. We want to keep Sarah Split Nurse coming jersey. on the show. Mm-hmm. I got to have a little Toronto love uh, for sure. So Sarah Nurse, Canadian national team member, Olympic gold medals, and newest inaugural member of Toronto's PWHL team joining us this morning. Sarah, how's it going? 
Good. How are you? I was going to ask you because I, I want to know where your loyalties lie a little bit, Alyssa. Well, no pressure. No pressure. This has been a topic of conversation You got the all next week. 20 yeah. minutes to sell me on the Team Toronto, but I will say it's uh, it's been fun to see uh, all the signings come out. Obviously, um, you know, Montreal's looking good. You guys are looking good. Ottawa, Boston, Minnesota, New York. We're still waiting for some more information, but for you being one of the first uh, to sign, it'd be a face of a franchise that's uh, an inaugural one here in the city of Toronto. You're living here, so that helps. But what was it that just kept you wanting to stay in Toronto? Because I know you did have offers elsewhere, maybe even for more money. Uh, but Toronto being a part of this franchise as you look for this upcoming season. Yeah, I think I, I really looked at where myself, but also like the league as a whole, could make a really huge impact in a market. And obviously Toronto being a huge market for professional sports, um, uh, especially in all throughout Canada with many other sports, um, I really thought there was a huge opportunity um, to really bring women's sports to Canada, to Toronto, and really make a splash. Um, and in speaking with Gina, from a hockey perspective, I thought that it was the right fit for me. Uh, I think it's the best place that I can develop as a player and, and continue uh, to develop. And so uh, I just loved the vision. I loved all of her plans, and I'm really excited to get things started. Okay. You mentioned your excitement. Like, how are you feeling about all this? Because it's happened rather quickly, and it's exciting for fans, exciting for everyone. So, like, what's your level of excitement uh, heading into, you know, the draft is going to be coming up soon, which is uh, super exciting. So what, what's, what are your emotions that are going through your mind now? Yeah, everything's happened so quickly, and this has been kind of a crazy, hectic week. We actually had fitness testing this week, so I ran oh, the beat boy. test, and then 30 minutes later, we were announced that we had signed in Toronto. So yeah. it was like uh, <laughs> very uh, some highs, some lows, mixed some emotions. Um, but it's been it's been awesome. Uh, the support and all the feedback has been so great, and just knowing that I get to represent a franchise, a city like Toronto, um, is pretty special. How'd you do the on doing the beep test? What'd you get? I got over 10, and that that's all you standard, need, girl. So I'm, yeah, that's, that's all, all we need. need. That's all we need. God, so I remember I'm those days. <laughs> I remember when we had to get over 10 on the beep test, and like, you turn the corner at like 8, 5, and you're like, there's no chance. Like, it's... There's no chance. My yeah. legs are 300 pounds. I am exhausted. There's no chance. So you hear 10, <laughs> and you're like, let's go. Yeah. Let me run two more levels, and I'm done. <laughs> I feel you. Um, okay, so Blair Turnbull and Renata Fass also announced as uh, the, th- the trio of Toronto PWHL players. I know you know them extremely well. Uh, played with them for a long time, won gold medals with them. Uh, but to join the team with two people of that caliber of play, but also leadership abilities and really great vibes. Like, it's going to be a fun team to cheer for. So talk a little bit about the two that signed alongside with you um, this week. I think it's pretty unique with the three of us because we're all kind of around a similar age. And so we've all been able to kind of grow up and develop um, into the players we are really together. Um, I was able to play university hockey with Blair. She was a, a couple of years ahead of me, but I was able to look up to her and kind of see her career take off after leaving the University of Wisconsin. And then with Renata as well, I played against her since high school mm-hmm. and fortunately haven't had to play against her since then. <laughs> but uh, th- those two players, like when I just think of them, they're just complete people and complete players. Like they're good 200 feet. Um, they're reliable 
they're people that are so hard to play against, and um, it, it's going to be really fun to be able to see them really flourish and blossom in the professional league because I, I know that with Hockey Canada, they both play a bit of a different role, and so seeing them get more offensive opportunities um, I, I think is going to be pretty cool, and I think they're really going to lean into that. I know uh, women's hockey has been searching sort of for this consistent place where you guys can, you know, showcase your uh, amazing talents. Like how important do you think this is for young fans now who will finally get to, you know, have a a one place, one central place where they can focus in uh, on what you guys do so well? I think it's really everything. Uh, Over the last few years, traveling around the PWHPA has been so good and it's been cool that we've been able to bring hockey to different markets and markets that, you know, may not be able to get a professional franchise just because of uh, the infrastructure. But I think that now being able to have that home base and create buzz, create franchises and fandoms is going to be really important and really key. Uh, I look at uh, how many incredible players, uh, what they're doing on and off the ice who have created like fan bases for themselves. And over the last few years, seeing people with jerseys and and we literally did not have a franchise that we played for. (laughs) Um, And so I know that the fans and the people that support us are going to go all out uh, and we're, and we're looking to grow. And I think that, you know, being, having that professional league, having home bases is, is the next step to that. Chatting with Sarah Nurse, the Canadian national team and uh, newest member of the PWHL Toronto team. The season kicks off in January, so a little while away, um, but we're getting the trickle effect of some of these signings. Is there a team or a player or a signing that surprised you? Because uh, most are like kind of staying in their, their areas and obviously there's still a draft to come, but you look at the, the big names that are off the board early. Um, how has this week been for someone that's been kind of like roster watching to see who you're stacking up against when the puck does? Does drop in, in uh, January. Yeah, I mean, your eyes always go to Montreal. Obviously, they have <laughs> players like Pooh, Stace, and, and Andrene who are all like top of the line, top tier players. Um, but I, I actually was really interested to see how Ottawa shaped up, and they brought in three absolutely incredible players in, in Mash, uh, Jenny, and Clarkie. And those are three players that are very hard to play against, obviously, very highly skilled. And so uh, I, I thought that team coming together was super interesting because we don't really have many players who are based in Ottawa. Uh, We have a couple that are from Ottawa, but uh, I I thought that that was a really cool roster, and I I think they're going to have a great team to to play this year, too. Where's your game at these days? Uh, I know you're, yeah, like (laughs) you broke the the single tournament (laughs) scoring record with uh, 18 points in Beijing. Like, what's, you're featured on the cover of uh, NHL 23. Like, yeah, how are you feeling these days? Where's your game at? Yeah, uh, we've been busy, uh, but it's been a great summer of training. We're heading into national camp uh, next week, mm-hmm. and I've just really tried to refine a lot of little things um, to bring my game to the next level and, and really elevate because ultimately at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing. Uh, the worst thing that you could do is stay stagnant and stay stationary. And so uh, just working on little things throughout the season, obviously watching video from last year and taking what I can do to be the best possible player that I can be when puck drops in January. So I know you have a unique um, spot with the Canadian team um, and also the Toronto team with Troy Ryan, right? Uh, head coach of both, I believe. Um, so you, you're going to have a lot of uh, opportunity to work with someone who you already have worked with. So talk a little bit about Troy Ryan as a head coach, um, what you think he brings the best out of his players and how having this relationship, not it's going to benefit you, but it's going to also push you to be your best player while you're playing for Toronto because, you know, he's a national team head coach as well. 
Yeah, I think playing for Troy with the national team over the past few years um, has been awesome, just in, in the sense that he's seen me since I was, you know, 21 years old and trying to crack my first Olympic roster, trying mm-hmm. to crack my first national team roster, really. And so he knows me as a person inside and out, and he knows he has expectations of me. And so there's a huge accountability piece because, like, there's no cheating. There's no, uh, like, there, there's nothing that's going to come mm-hmm. easy. Um, and so I, I love playing for him under the national team. He has a very unique approach to his coaching style. He loves uh, the collaborative leadership. And so uh, he's always willing and open for player feedback, which has been great. His uh, communication lines are always open. But at the end of the day, he's a great coach who – really does take that unique approach that I've never, ever been a part of. So uh, if he's the coach of Toronto, I, I'm certainly going to be a happy girl. I was going to say, I think it holds a, like an extra level of accountability even, right? Like, you know, you guys aren't playing until September. Uh, Jan- I keep saying September, I wish. Uh, you're not playing until <laughs> January, but if, if that is the head coach that is around all the time, it's an extra push for a lot of players, even players are on the bubble of the national team. Um, just walk us through what, last one here, Sarah, what the next couple weeks, month um, will entail. I know the draft is September 8th. 18th, there's some uh, the free agency is kind of ending and then opportunity for players to get drafted. TIFF is going on. I know you got a lot of stuff going on in the city. And then you also have the national camp um, just around the corner. So what does the next month or two look like for Sarah Nurse? Oh, it is busy. I mean, <laughs> you kind of nailed it. Uh, we go to national team camp next month, next uh, week, which will be a lot of fun. And then as I look over kind of like the calendar of events that are going to have to happen with our league, like it's very exciting. Like we're going to have free agency end. We're going to have the draft. You know, eventually the uh, locations and facilities are going to be released. Team colors, logos, uh, team names are going to be announced. The team schedule is going to be announced. And so there's so many amazing and fun, exciting things that are coming over the next couple of months uh, that are going to continue to generate that buzz towards the next season. And I know when January 1 comes, it's going to be like a monumental, exciting, and breaking day. Uh, but we definitely have a lot of steps to get there <laughs> first, but it's never been closer. And so I think that that's a very exciting thing. Okay, let's quickly go back to, to where we started. 30-second uh, elevator pitch to why Ailish <laughs> should be supporting the Toronto team. And, and, and me too. <laughs> why you should be supporting the Toronto team. Let's see. Well, we have Blair Turnbull, Renata Fast, and Sarah mm, Nurse. Good start. Um, <laughs> we, I'm trying to convince Renata to get a dog, but Blair and I both have dogs, Romeo yes. and Archie. Okay. So Bunker would have a friend. Oh, love there that. You go. Bunker's already on board. Yes. Exactly. So Bunker's on board. And I mean, like, hockey in Toronto, what gets mm. better than mm-hmm. that? Like, mm-hmm. come on. Come on. I think you're you're right on That's the cusp. I'm just waiting for team names. Team names will really make a difference. Color schemes. Like, I don't look good in every I'm, color, I'm Sarah sold. Nurse. So. I'm sold. Okay, so now we just got to work on Ailish. Oh, you got one. <laughs> I will have Poulin and Stace on next week, and I'll get them to do the elevator pitch. And I might have a split jersey, but nonetheless, uh, I mean, I will say before we say goodbye that I've had so many messages from listeners, from fans, um, from, uh, from, from parents with young kids that are so excited about the league. So congrats on everything so far. I know you guys have been working really hard. I, like, I know more than anyone how much effort you've put in yourself especially um, to help grow this game so it's all exciting things ahead and congrats on on knowing where you're going to be this upcoming season and of course I always have an affinity for Toronto okay so I, there's no doubt about it I promise <laughs> thanks Sarah I'm going to hold you to that thanks guys <laughs> thanks, Sarah. thanks so much
That's Sarah Nurse, um, Team Canada member, of course, gold medalist and member of the newest PWHL Toronto team. I think we should have someone from each team come on, put them on the spot and say, you get 30 seconds. So that was a good her pitch. cell effect, her effect like you bring there was, dogs into the equation. she's got the cutest little Pomeranian. Right. I don't know if you've seen uh, Romeo. He's like a door, like in the palm of your hand, this it's little white fluff ball. such an easy way to get people on your side. And we live on the same street, basically, Sarah Nurse and I, and I've really? seen her many times when we've been walking our dogs. So, I mean, Bunker already has a friend. And so that's a huge selling feature. Whereas Poulin and Stace live in Montreal. They have a dog too, Arlo, but I'm not just able to like have a mm-hmm. doggy meetup. So there's a bit of a, there's an edge there. Bunker, there's an edge. Bunker likes uh, little dogs too. Bunker likes all Friendly. dogs. Bunker is a social butterfly. Yeah, he's a cutie. Um, he ate a sock though, so we're a little bit yeah, uh, concerned about the sock. Um, Still, you know, hasn't come has out it, either okay, end yeah. yet. Yeah, tough. Eyes are on. But he's like sock. energy levels oh, are fine. Oh, he's perfect. He's like he just yeah, he's great. It's just gonna I come out see. eventually. Yikes! I know. TMI. Puppies, puppies, <laughs> puppies, puppies. Um, okay, that was really sweet. So yeah, yeah, lots to come. As I said, the draft is next next Monday, uh, the 18th. It will be in Toronto. Still waiting for confirmation of when and where and if fans can come, but that would be a really awesome day. Uh, there will be lots of signings, uh, sorry, lots of draft picks there. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's just like Canada signing with Canada and U.S. signing with U.S. And I obviously... I think that makes sense, though, if you get to be one of the <laughs> first. I think yeah. if you get to be one of the first three people signed to a franchise, you get to take offers. You get to take different financial offers. You I can think stay home, too. You can stay home. Like, mm-hmm. you, if you're Sarah Nurse, you can ask for what you want to be a part of this Toronto team. Like That's your, your your franchise face. But once the draft comes, I think we'll see some chaos. I think we'll see some Canadians playing for Boston. I think we'll see some Boston area people going to Minnesota. I think we'll see a lot of different things. But right now, it does seem kind of... Um, cut and dry and that's uh, that's kind of the way that you want to start your franchise at least with the people uh, that want to be in your market uh, before we take a break and bring in Michael Grange who will just walk right up these stairs and tell us about Canada's He's still bronze here, metal right? birth for him. on the edge of this so uh, kind to join us he is very sweet already been over for an hour I know we better hurry up and get him in here uh, we've been giving away tickets all week for Andrew Schultz uh, internationally touring stand-up comic and podcaster coming to OLG stage at Falls U Casino in Niagara Falls on September 22nd as part of his The Life Tour to celebrate giving away tickets all week a pair of tickets also includes a complimentary buffet for two before the show. So to enter, tune in to our episodes of the Fan Morning Show, listen for the daily code words, and text it in at 590-590. Today's code word is the life tour. All right, it's a little harder this week. The life tour. So it's three words. To 590-590, the life tour. We're giving away tickets this is the last chance. So grab it while you can. Text in today's code word. That's September 22nd. Andrew Schultz, The Life Tour at 590-590. Canada falls short today this morning, 4.45 a.m. Wake up. We saw a lot of support of fans up to see their Canadians try to go for a gold medal, but they'll be playing for bronze, and we'll find out the opponent in the next little bit, either USA or Germany. We'll have Michael Grange join us in studio to break it all down next, and then we'll wrap it up with Ben Nicholson-Smith ahead of the Blue Jays' big homestand ahead.